Hello and welcome to the podcast for Patriots. I'm your host, Jim Fralick. I ain't rich, but I damn sure wanna be. Working like a dog all day ain't working for me. I wish I had a rich uncle that'd kick the bucket and I was sitting on a pile like Warren Buffett. I know everybody says money can't buy happiness, but it can buy me a boat. Our goal here with Podcast for Patriots is to educate, inspire, and assist military members and veterans in achieving financial wealth through real estate investing. I'm really excited today to have Daniel Woodford from Mission Bay Investments online. I know he's a busy guy. He's been doing a lot of stuff over the last three or four years, and I'm definitely privileged to have him aboard uh, for a few minutes today with us. Welcome, Daniel. Can you hear me loud and clear? I can, Jim. And, and again, uh, thank you very much for having me on the on your podcast. I, I, I've i never seen a podcast that's geared towards uh, veterans and military members, so this is great. I really appreciate it, and um, it's an honor to be here. Thank you, sir. Well, I wanted to say uh, I appreciate that. And then congratulations on your recent uh, uh, syndication there in Thomasville, Georgia, uh, as you know, I've been tracking that deal and your engagement with the investors and how fast people responded to that. Now, you can tell me if anything changed, but it seemed like uh, after your call and engagement with investors, potential investors, uh, people just jumped on it really quick to the point where I think it was like a week later, you were taking people on a wait list. So I just was so impressed with your team and how they laid that out, that opportunity and I'm just wondering if, uh, before we get started in earnest here, whether uh, you could say anything about that and what you attribute that response to. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I appreciate you looking at that deal with us. Um, and, and, yeah, we did have a really positive response on that deal. And I, I think a part of it is, and, and you're right, in about a week, week and a half, we were we were fully subscribed and we were actually oversubscribed, which means, obviously, we're taking uh, individuals on a, on a wait list uh, basis. Uh, on a first come first serve basis. Um, so what we'll do is we'll open it up, and then if you know we can't fill it at the beginning, you know we'll, we'll give a deadline, and then we'll open it up to the wait list at that point, which is always a good position to be in as a syndicator. Uh, but I kind of attribute that to maybe we're just getting a little bit better. You know, we're kind of transitioning from you know just a couple of guys out of the military investing in real estate to you know kind of like you know making it more of a company and transitioning it more into. You know, a small company that invests in commercial multifamily real estate. Um, uh, we brought in another partner in Christine Jefferson, who has been phenomenal for us. Um, and her her main role, and I know that uh, Jim, you've interacted with Christine. Her main role uh, in this in this in the company is to raise capital, and so she put together an online portal for us. Um, she's kind of bringing us to that next level and helping us get there. And, and that's what I kind of attribute to that, that portion of it. And also the, you know, the track work we're, we're getting better. We kind of done this, you know, several times before. So we've got, uh, several repeat investors at this point. Okay. Excellent. Well, well, congratulations on that and taking it even to the next level. Since you mentioned the military, I should back up a little bit here and say, um, for the listeners, uh, Daniel is a retired, uh, air force guy.
when I first um, became aware of Daniel, it was through listening to him on a podcast, actually. And it was just very impressed. I know he's um, uh, kind of a quiet guy, a little soft-spoken, humble. Uh, he's He had similar things in his background to things that I've dealt with in terms of trying to uh, continue my day job with the military, in my case, as a, as a contractor less many years, and then sitting in traffic for long, long hours. And uh, it just struck a few chords with me when I listened to Daniel that time on a, a podcast and then looked into uh, what he had been doing in his portfolio a little bit. And Daniel, if I'm, if I'm counting right, I'm going to give, give Daniel a chance to uh, set the record straight in a second. But, but once Daniel retired from the military and he'd done some single-family investing and probably some flips, he started, I believe, back around 2014 with multi-units. And if I'm counting right, is probably around, with this latest deal, maybe at 1,100 units and in the $75 million range across uh, four or five different states, ranging from Virginia to Texas. So just uh, very impressive where they're heading. So Daniel, um, I'd like to turn it over to you and maybe you can give the listeners a little bit more about your background and how you got to the point you are at now. Okay. Yeah. So, so, I mean, the, the way I, I tell is, I, you know, I just had a, I had a reason why is, is really, really the main thing. And about five years out from retiring from the military, I kind of wanted to um, do something a little different. Um, you know, I was in the space career field, um, did a lot with uh, space operations, space tests, space um, acquisitions, and, you know, very interesting field, of course. Um, something I could have gotten back into after I retired, but I decided I wanted to do something different. And um, I went to a Rich Dad Poor Dad seminar about five years out from retiring from the military, and it kind of opened my eyes a little bit. And I kind of give that background just to kind of you know understand what what were, what were the influencers back then. And um, ever since that day, I, I set out to kind of replace my my government income, let's call it with passive income. And, 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 and from then on, for about five years out, we started buying uh, single families uh, in Baltimore. I was in, uh, I had just moved here to the Pentagon and, you know, commute in and commute uh, out, you know, it was two hours in, two hours out. So I had a lot of time during my commute time, had, had time during nights, during weekends. And that's what I kind of dedicated to figure out a strategy to, to get myself, uh, you know, to get to replace my income. And we, we started buying single family houses, flipping them, selling them, keeping them as rentals. And in the first couple of, uh, maybe, uh, you know, two or three years, I think we did about as many as 30 transactions, either wholesaling, uh, either keeping them for our own uh, portfolio or selling. And so that's kind of, that's kind of what we did. And then when I got to the point where we were getting ready to retire, uh, we were, we were at the point where, you know, I, I feel comfortable enough that we could continue with this, you know, continue with this company uh, on a full-time basis. And that's kind of what we did. Um, 2013, we bought our first 40 unit at the end of 20, well, it was 2013, 2014 conference, it was kind of Christmas time. Um, so, I, you know, right around that time frame. Since then, you're right, Jim, we've got almost 1,100 in our portfolio now. Um, it's right around 70, 75 million uh, in assets. And um, and we're projected to buy or acquire another 600 by the end of the first quarter of 2019. Uh, either either currently under contract or we're getting ready to close, and, and that one in Georgia is one of them. So yes, that's that's kind of our background and, and how we we kind of transition from uh, you know the military day to day to to kind of where we are today. That's great. I, I really appreciate that, Daniel. And that is really um, 
honestly, really, really inspirational. And hope uh, as more military veterans and active duty members listen to go back and listen to some of the podcasts for Patriots, um, they're inspired by that to see how someone um, in similar situations to what they find themselves into uh, has a fortitude to just make a plan, stick with it, and then work hard to make it come true. Uh, the Rich Dad Poor Dad seminar must have had a big impact. I know that book had a big impact on me mentally in the late '90s when I first read it, um, and I had a, a plan, but really got off that track. And I'm only coming back to it all these many years later. And 9/11 might have had something to do with that, where I sort of got reinvigorated to to do stuff from the contracting side with counterterrorism and things like that. But um, it, it's, it's definitely a game changer, that book. And I can imagine the seminar as well, but, um, but from your single family and flip experience, I'm imagining now through this incredible uh, level of apartment syndication in such a short time, I'm imagining you have, uh, some lessons that you can share with people out of the gate. I like to get some of the negative out of the way, just like if you were, uh, counseling someone, I guess that worked for you. Uh, and, and so give people, uh, eye-opening stuff up front so they know it's not all uh, sunshine and roses. So I'm wondering, Daniel, what I call on this podcast the early warning signal. Early warning systems online. General quarters, general quarters, man your battle stations. This is not a drill. Repeat, this is not a drill. Speaking of your time in space acquisitions, (laughs) if you could share some uh, valuable lesson learned uh, for our listeners. Yeah, definitely, definitely, Jim. I mean, I think that there's a couple things um, that if I if I were to go back, you know, I would I would maybe you know tweak or do a little differently. And one of them is really hit the education hard. Uh, and when I say education, I'm talking about any type of. And I don't know if it's formal education, but there's there's a number of gurus out there. There's a number of um, uh, we'll just call it multifamily educators that are out there and. Um, I just think it's important to, to to find one that you like, that you that you trust, that you that you feel like you can you, you can benefit from, and then get involved with that program uh, and get ed- as educated as you can. And again, you know that's still at that point it's still only book knowledge. And so the other piece of it uh, to me, because when I when we first went out, we said, okay, I, I got educated, I know what a multifamily is, I know what, how to find a market, how to talk to a broker. But then what happens after I buy it? I mean, you know, that kind of education almost, you know, doesn't really, you know, continue from that point on. Right. Okay. And so I would say the other piece would be to kind of, you know, keep yourself, you know, uh, safer, you know, and mitigate risk is to, to, to go into a project with a partner, somebody who's been there, somebody who's done that, that can keep you, you know, as safe as possible. Um, because they have the knowledge and they've been there and done that and can keep you from hitting those, those, those pitfalls. Because, you know, obviously in this business, you know, you, you hit a pitfall and that's, you know, a lot of times it's your own capital and even worse, it could be somebody else's capital and you really want to protect it as much as possible by um, mitigating the risk, um, you know, upfront by education. And, and, and I would even recommend partnering for the first couple of deals to, 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 to get that real world experience. That's excellent. I think that is a uh, great early warning signal, and I really uh, appreciate you sharing that with with me and with the listeners. So now I want to ask you something that I think I know the answer to, but it's something I'm going to be asking hopefully all my guests, and that is in terms of investing, which 
do you favor in terms of um, obviously the asset class you've come to to choose? But do you when do you invest across the board on an opportunity basis, or do you focus first on geography, or do you see um, specific niche? as the way to go. And, and I'm really thinking, I, I know you're sort of in a spot, so I'd like to know how you got to that spot in a way uh, mentally. And then other, you know, also in terms of recommendations to other people about maybe how they can think about the uh, best way forward, because there's such an ocean of avenues out there. And uh, what do you have for the listeners in terms of that? Yeah, definitely. I, I think the, for, for me, the most of those 42 uh, that you highlighted, opportunity, asset class, or niche, I think for me, the asset class was was the most most important for me, and that is to figure out which asset class out there, because obviously, you know, you got single family, but then you go into commercial, you got, you know, warehouse, you've got uh, retail, office, multifamily. And, and for me, I was already doing residential uh type investing with single family. So it was an easy transition from there into multifamily. And that was just, that's just me. And the other aspect that I like about multifamily is that typically it, 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 you know, it, it has lower risk over time with regards to the other, other asset classes. And that's just because people have to live somewhere. Right. And so people are always looking for someplace to live. Um, there's a shortage of housing in, in this country also, which, which tends to, to um, be a positive for, for multifamily investing, but you know, that's how we kind of we, we started. We found our asset class, and then with regard to geography, you know, we'll go we'll go kind of anywhere where the market uh, dictates, um, and where the opportunity dictates. Because to be quite honest, um, you know, there's just not a lot of great deals out there right now. It's a seller's market. Uh, we might be at in many markets. We might be at the top of the market, right? Particularly like DC area. And, and so it's very difficult to find deals. So, um, you know, we tend to, when we find a deal, we tend to look at it and we, 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 we won't uh, scrutinize it based on geography or opportunity as much because we'll go, we'll go pretty much anywhere in the United States if, if it's the right deal. Okay. That makes sense. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, and it, it makes sense to myself as well. And that's why I've decided to pivot towards uh, apartment syndication, 100%. I, I let myself uh, get pulled for a while away from that because a lot of people say at the beginning, you know, wholesaling, 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 or or get in the mindset that uh, I got to do do A before B before C in terms of actual asset classes or levels. And some people go that route. A lot of people do, but I see a lot of people end up in the same area where you're at right now. If that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely does. So I'm wondering in terms of specifics now to to uh, really help educate some listeners, whether uh, you can share some rough numbers on any recent deals and really just step us through at some level of depth, not not the depth for contracts you put people on for satellites and <laughs> that level, but to the level where people can get a, an idea for the numbers and what you look for in terms of return on investment. All right. So definitely. So, I mean, for us, um, we're looking for a stabilized, a relatively stabilized asset that has, let's just call it some issues, whether they be management issue or maybe a, maybe they're the physical nature of the, of the building is obsolete or something of that nature that we can go in and fix. So we call that a value add, of course. 
Um, but our most important um, metric that we're looking for is cash on cash because we want to have um, a cash on cash starting at day one. That's kind of how, how we look at it. So we're looking specifically at 8 to 9% cash on cash to our investors. So if somebody obviously invests $100,000 in, in one of our deals, then they would expect, you know, and we would project about an $8,000 to $9,000 um, cash dividend, I guess, within the first year time frame. So that's kind of how we would look at it. And we want to look at that over an average, you know, 8 to 9% aver- average uh, over the course of the entire whole period, which is about five years. That's what we project anywhere, anyway. It could be shorter, it could be longer, but we project five years. Um, so, and then we, we look at, um, and, but the, the, other, the other thing that we look at, obviously, is the, is, the, is the value add opportunity, which, you know, it could have low rents because it's a mom and pop op, uh, operation where they're not really paying attention to the market. They just want to keep it full and the rents are low, or they're not really filling it and marketing it right, or maybe they have too much or excessive um, uh, expenses. All of those things factor into the value of the building. So if you fix that, then you increase the value of the building. And so that's kind of what we're that's kind of what we what we look at there. And then with regards to the physical aspect of it, you know, we like to modernize it by, um, um, you know, you know, we put in new new flooring, new fixtures, cabinets, counters, that type of thing. And that kind of translates over. And that's one thing that does translate over from my single family days. Uh, or we'll add amenities like a, a gym or a business center, that type of thing. And when we do that, you know, obviously we raise the value of the building and we, we look to project at a 17 to 20% average annual return for our investors. So that's cash flow plus the sale. We're looking for individuals to, 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 to come out at between 17 to 20% average annual. So if someone invested $100,000, they would expect at the end of the five years to get their $100,000 back plus approximately $100,000 in profit. So that would be a 20% average annual return over five years. The other metric we look at is, is internal rate of return. Some of our investors um, don't pay attention too much to that metric, but we like it. And we look at, you know, we're looking at 15% IRR, internal rate of return, over a five-year period or, or over the whole period. So that's, those are the three metrics that we look at. Okay, excellent. Oh, I appreciate that. And that's very interesting. I think it would be good if you could. I just want to dig in on a, a little bit here into value add, although you explained it really well and got to the annualized return. I want to dig in a little bit about the eight to nine percent cash on cash to start with, and maybe uh, talk about preferred return and this cash on cash relative to when people are looking at other assets. Because a lot of people with single family, well, at least I found with some single family opportunities or um, flips or maybe short-term rentals. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that uh, look for or claim, Hey, you, you should be getting, trying to get 20, 25% cash on cash. But when I talk to people working with stable assets and the people with larger amounts of money who are invested, like accredited investors, I find that uh there's a there's a different number that's more realistic, and, and I'm wondering if you, based on your experience, can kind of explain those in terms of risk and what we're really looking at a little bit further. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so a lot of the, obviously return is is typically based on risk, and for 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 multifamily, um, risk is is really minimal. I mean, you, I mean, I won't say minimal. I'll say it's less than most um, because there's always risk there, <clears throat> but. 
you know, let's say you lose, for, let's just compare for single family to this, uh, to multifamily, you lose one tenant, you don't get any rent uh, uh, on a single family, but you lose one tenant in a hundred unit apartment building, you're still making your debt service, you're still paying investors. It's really a minimal impact, right? Um, from a maintenance standpoint, again, minimal impact. You're not, you know, if you have three or four houses all across one city, you're traveling, you know, to and fro to those, those properties. Whereas in a multifamily, all of the road, all of the, all the units are under one roof. Um, so economy is good. So that, uh, all of this leads into, to, to risk, you know, that, that's a risk factor. So multifamilies, I guess is what I'm saying is a lower risk asset. So therefore the returns, the returns aren't going to be as eye popping as you might see in some other asset classes, but at the same time, you can be, you can, you can rest a little bit easier at night because, you know, people are going to be paying the rent for the most part. Again, they need somewhere to live and there's, you know, just a mitigated risk situation there. Sure. Sure. And I think that the 17 to 20% and getting to a 20% over five years is really good for most people, if not all of us, especially when you factor in uh, tax uh, savings. And if, if people want to take that at the end of five years, put it into another asset uh, to avoid certain capital gains tax. And then as well as the fact that we're talking about truly passive income or passive investing in terms of people coming into the equation on your side, uh, as, as investors, uh, uh coming to you. And then, uh, so I think that, um, that's pretty big for a lot of people. And then, sure. uh, you as the sponsor, obviously there are other benefits, but a higher level of risk that you're taking on. Uh, so one other thing related to that, I'm wondering if you, is there a simple way? This is what I always wonder because I looked it up and thought about it a lot over the years. Like, what is the simplest way to explain IRR in layman's terms relative to this other stuff? Or is there? So, so IRR takes into account, and of course, I'm not an accountant or, or anything like that, but IRR takes into account the time value of money. Um, and so, um, over the course of five years, it, 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 um, you know, it just takes into that account. It really measures the speed of which, maybe in easier terms, the speed of which you're getting your money back that you've invested in a prop, in a, in a property. And so that's kind of, you know, that's kind of what it, what it measures. Okay. Gotcha. As in terms of like opportunity costs that what, what else you could have been doing with that money instead, right. During that time. Maybe. Yeah. And that's how it loads. Okay. I appreciate that. Um, further education for for guys like me definitely and uh, like i said most people on mine you know i have a newsletter the listenership on this is 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 just now starting to get a little bit of traction but uh, our newsletter goes out to about uh, 65 to 70 people of which about 75 80 percent of those people are veterans or active duty military so uh most of those will be new investors and i'm wondering mm-hmm. you, you kind of touched on it earlier when when you have other advice for people that are in that situation of new investing, especially people who might say, but I have like little money or poor credit or both. Like, how would you recommend that? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll tell my story and then I'll, maybe I'll give a recommendation because I wouldn't recommend, you know, I, I guess I would recommend it, but you know, I, it's what I went out and did. But you know, when I worked at the Pentagon, you know, I'm a military guy too, just like, you know, uh, most people, you know, it, uh, that, that are going to be listening to this podcast. And as you, as you know, I mean, military guys aren't, you know, aren't rich typically or, 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 or ladies, you know, military members, I guess I should say, aren't, aren't rich uh, typically. And so, you know, most people are going to be in the same boat and most people, you know, are, aren't going to have the assets per se 
with regards to net worth and liquidity to go out and 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 and, and, and get one of these buildings. But one of the things that I did, I'll just be honest, is you know, I, you know, when I was when I was in the Pentagon, there was there's three banks in the Pentagon. For those who've never been in there, there's a Bank of America, a Navy Federal, and there's a Pentagon Federal. And one day at lunch, I went down to each one of those banks, and I went down and got a line of credit credit card of one, and immediately went. Right after I did that, went to the next one, and in, in a one-hour time span during lunch, I got a line of credit, credit card. Went to the next one, got a line of credit and a credit card, and I walked out of the I walked out of those three banks that day with about, you know, almost one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in lines of credit, which I then used to, which I then used to go buy real estate in Baltimore because I could buy a house for forty thousand dollars in Baltimore, fix it up for thirty thousand, have me a nice asset at seventy thousand, refinance out, pay off my credit cards or my lines of credit, and keep going. Nice. And so there's there's ways to do it without using without even using your own capital, right? That's one way. Now that's 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 the way if you have you know obviously you got to have good credit. You had mentioned you know what you don't have as much money or maybe you have poor credit. Well, there's there's ways to do that too. Um, you know you really it's you know in the military we put teams together, right? We know how to work as a team. You go find the people that you need on your team. That will fill the need. If you need somebody with good credit, go find somebody to partner with with good credit. Do a couple deals with that person, get your credit back in line, and then you can go do it yourself the next time, right? If you need somebody with a balance sheet, um, with a balance sheet to help you secure a loan, go find that person. That's 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 the easiest thing that I could say to do. That's exactly what I did. I mean, I don't have the balance sheet personally to go out and buy a twenty million dollar building yet. We just closed on one, you know, four or five months ago, and that's because I put it together to do it. And that's what I would recommend. That is that is great, Daniel. That is for me, uh, podcast gold right there. I, I love it. That you, that's that's motivation. That's perseverance. That's just saying, how am I going to get this done? And uh, I really love that. And uh, it's it really comes down to that in the beginning. You got to you got to be creative. You got to uh, decide which sacrifices you're going to make, and you got to go out on a limb a little bit. That's certainly going out on a limb. I think you kind of addressed one thing I was going to ask you about going back in in time. Is there anything else you could think of if you were to go back uh, in time in the beginning to the first time you ever thought about investing in real estate and do differently? Uh, I don't know if there is anything because you kind of made some pretty bold moves there, but anything else? No, there definitely is, and that is, I um, I would not have started with single family. I just I'll just be upfront and honest. I mean, I started there just because of a comfort level, and that's where a lot of people start because of a comfort level. But it really is not. It's nothing. It's nothing different than learning a new career field in the military, right? You, I mean, every time, every three years or so, we're, we're moving to a new job, learning a new job. It really is no different learning how to do multifamily as it is to 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 stick with single family. So. I would have jumped immediately to 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 multifamily because of economies of scale, because you can you you can grow long term, you know, wealth faster that way. Um, and so that that's what I would I would recommend is learn how to you know be comfortable enough, and maybe just you know you study a little bit more for yourself. Obviously, you want to start where you want it and where you feel the most comfortable. But in retrospect, I would have started. I would have gone straight to multifamily and started there to begin with if I had it to do over again. Okay, great. That is uh, that is good advice, and I myself am following your advice now. <laughs> Even though I'm 48, I'm going to go ahead. You know, I've come back to the equation at that uh, time. I'll say, well, I'm kind of late in the game here, so I don't want to waste time with these. Uh, once I get the few rehabs that we've been working, uh, sort of 
set aside my attentions on multi-unit for these exact same reasons that you point out. So uh, that makes me feel good, Daniel. Thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, now, I was going to ask you about uh, inspirational book. Now, I know Rich Dad Poor Dad is like the standard, and, and it was for me too, but you've been uh, educated much on the real estate front, both practically and book-wise, but I'm wondering if you got any uh, special book or two that you might advise people pick up and look at. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's just so many books out there, but two that maybe aside from rich dad, poor dad, that kind of, that kind of stand out to me that, that were kind of my first couple of books that I read, because a lot of this is really just mindset, right? It's just changing your mindset and just, and just, and just going after your goals and dreams and that type of thing. And so, one of the one of the books was Thinking Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. That one that one I really I got a lot out of that that book is uh, about you know changing your mindset. And then the other one was How to Win Friends and Influence People, um, because I knew I had to get out, talk to people, uh, to to be successful in this business. And um, that was one of the books that kind of helped me there too. So those are two books that I I, I read early on. Excellent. Uh, yeah, see, more in common with you than I think, Daniel. That's uh, really incredible because here on my desk, I have both of those books. And Not those, really? Good, yeah. <laughs> Think and Grow Rich with uh, Napoleon Hill, which I read, and uh, the messaging, the internal messaging in there is uh, yeah. incredible. And um, I'm on my third time reading through the classic uh, uh, Dale Carnegie book. So uh, I just think that's uh, funny that uh, uh, that you mentioned those two. And I I have to admit that, uh, so yesterday was my 48th birthday, and uh, based on Think and Grow Rich, uh, a couple years ago, I wrote myself out a personal check for a certain amount that was way more than I, I guess I could have thought to achieve by now, and I was going to cash it yesterday. Uh, I have to admit that I changed it. We talked about it yesterday. I changed it to 2019 now, because I can't cash that check yet. <laughs> okay. But... You know, it's uh, it's interesting. So do you have, along those lines, do you have, I'll say, we'll just stick with Napoleon Hill for a minute. Uh, did you write down some goals and then like repeat them every morning and night? Did you ever do that as part of that equation? I did. I definitely did. And if, if I were to be honest to you, you know, you don't hit them all, right? It's it's rare, but it's it's the striving for it that, that, and the changing of that mindset, obviously, that's the key, right? And so I did do that. I did all of that. Um, and, and to be honest, I mean, I, I think it definitely helped to help me get to, to, to where our company is today. Um, to be quite honest. Yeah, those are great, great, great books. I appreciate you sharing that. So, uh, I've taken up a lot of your time. I want to just give you another uh, shot here. If you got any other last thoughts or advice that we didn't cover. Um, yeah, I guess the only, the only, uh, thing of advice that I would give is, um, you know, it's, it's just like anything else. It's not going to be, you know, it's, it's not rocket science for lack of a better word, but it's not easy. Right. And so it's just, you know, you just never know when that, that, that breakthrough is going to happen. Like for us, you know, I, I, I called broker after broker after broker when I first started and we, you know, we, we, you know, after eight brokers, I couldn't get anybody to either call me back or give me, or, or even send me a deal. And then I finally, we did it you know, one, one more time and we finally found a broker not only feeds us deals, but he feeds us pocket listings now. And so, you know, don't ever, you know, you're not going to have, you may not have successes right off the bat. I would just say, you know, just keep pressing, keep plugging and, you know, set your goals and eventually you'll get there. Excellent. Great message. Great message. Like Tony Robbins says, 
it doesn't work, change your approach. If it doesn't work, change your approach, right? Yeah. Persistence. So uh, I love it. Great, great advice. So yeah, you've really uh, shared a lot here that I know I'm going to uh, personally uh, take to heart and look back over in terms of lesson learned, in terms of where you guys have jumped and, and how much uh, bringing Kristen on board has helped in terms of raising capital, your online portal, how you're going to the next level. Uh, I appreciate you went back over a little bit. Uh, the 30 transactions or plus that you did before retirement, uh, how you were motivated five years out from retirement to to jump in and get motivated. Uh, later on, you shared with us uh, the incredible story about going to those three three banks in the Pentagon, open up the line and, and getting that first uh, home in Baltimore. And I'm sure you've probably done similar things all along the way to go out on a limb. But, you, but yet at the same time, I think you, you, you pointed out how you mitigate risk and the asset class is the most important to you, and and it's sort of proving out. Like you 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 think like a guy who's done acquisition uh, at the Pentagon as well. So you you've 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 factored in risk mitigation that I think uh, gives me a level of comfort with focusing on multi units in the long term. I appreciate you breaking down for us uh, the return on investments that you seek and explaining a little bit about uh, ROIs and IRR in particular, and uh, the books you shared, of course, are, are, are uh, incredible and valuable input. And I uh, just really appreciate you overall, Daniel, uh, taking the time with us today. And I just want to uh, give you a chance to let our listeners know how to get in touch with you if they want to learn more about uh, your business and investment opportunities. Yeah, definitely, Jim. And again, I uh, appreciate you having me on. Um, I love this format and this this, this platform for, for military members. I think it's great. And also, uh, I want to say happy birthday to you. you know, belated. I didn't know that was your, it was your birthday yesterday, but um, Thanks, uh, sir. individuals can contact Yeah, no worries, sir. Um, I can be contacted. In my, in my email is daniel at missionbaycp. CP stands for capitalpartners.com. So daniel at missionbaycp.com. Uh, my website is missionbasedcp.com, so you know individuals can go there also to kind of see see what we're all about. But those are the, the two main ways to to, to to get in contact with. Excellent, and I will say that uh, there's a there's an awesome little commercial there on your site too that I've looked at a couple times. So good job on the uh, advertising as you continue to level up. Take good job, thanks, right. thanks, Jim. Take care, Daniel. I'm proud to be your host. I'm privileged to have served. And I'm grateful for all your sacrifices. Until next time. Because the flag still stands for freedom and they can't take that away. And I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the men who Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land